Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Believe in Navy Football podcast. Um, well, please be joined by Eric Tan and Keenan Reynolds, former Navy Stars, two of the greatest offensive players of the Triple Option Air. I'm your host, Bill Wagner, longtime Navy athletics beat writer for the Capital Gazette newspapers and the Baltimore Sun. Guys, we're doing an Air Force preview. We already talked about Marshall. We broke that down. We're done with Marshall. We're on to Air Force, as Bill Belichick likes to say. And I think before we go into some breakdown of Air Force, I'd like to get your all's memories, some of your your best memory of an Air Force game. And I'll, I'll start with Keenan because Navy football fans were introduced to Keenan Reynolds at, during an Air Force football game out in Colorado Springs. And Keenan came on and played great that day in relief of Trey Miller, but he got saved by an offensive lineman at the end. I'll let Keenan tell the story, but uh, Keenan, maybe talk real quick about that game when you beat Air Force in OT out there in Colorado Springs. And then also what maybe uh, if there was the best memory of Air Force game, I don't know if that was it, if there was another one. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, I'm, you know, skinny freshman and, uh, you know, Trey had been hurt. And, I mean, he was playing actually pretty well that game. But I, I don't know. I guess Coach Nehemiah just had, like, a vision or something where he was, like, he had gone down and he was a little gimpy. And, and Coach was like, let's put Keenan in. And I was just like, I really didn't have time to uh, to be nervous or, like, be worried about anything. He just kind of got thrown to the fire, which, in my experience, tends to be the best way to, 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 to learn to – to be introduced, I mean, you name it. I mean, just kind of being put out there with with no guidance and just figure it out is usually the best way that people kind of function. So, anyway, it was really cold game beginning of October, and we were one and three going into that game. Did not look good on offense. Really struggled, and we just found a way to win. You know, Bill, you talked about uh, oh Zuzek that saved me in overtime, uh, recovering that fumble. Um, so forever grateful to him because if he doesn't recover that, who knows what, what maybe football history looks like, you know? So, um, it was, it was a great time. Really got, got me started. It was the, the game that kind of propelled me on my, on my way and, you know, forever remember that. And I think, you know, my senior year, obviously, um, beating down on them at home was, was, was a good time as well. Cause you know, they were filling themselves after, you know, the 2014 season. So we had to, we had to shut that down real fast. Eric, what, what's your favorite memory of an Air Force game? Uh, never losing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was about that. I'm like, what's Bill going to ask me? And I'm like, all right, you know, let's go with this one, this one. No, never losing. Um, you know, we never lost. A, you know, my, my teams, you know, never lost to Air Force or Army. But I would say my most, uh, you know, favorite memory as an individual would be up there uh, playing. It was um, <clears throat> fourth and one. About I think 45 seconds left, and you know, my coach, Coach Judge, he's a running back coach at the time, it was his first year. He looks at me, he goes, Eric, we're gonna give you the ball, don't jump over the line. And I'm like, All right, coach, got this, don't jump over the line. And now he's at the Miami Dolphins tight end coach. They call, they call like spread 22, which is a fullback dive. Both sides of the line crash down at the ball, like what 0.2 seconds, I think, you know, immediately I'm like, Listen to coach, don't jump, don't do it, just slide right. I jumped, my, my verticals, you know, I was, my vertical then was probably like four and a half inches. So <laughs> I got up in the air, you know, got crushed right when I jumped up, like by the linebacker coming through, made it over the, the mound, you know, made the first down. I go, coach, I'm like, yeah, I told you I should have jumped. He's like, 
get over here. You're, you're over here. So that was my best memory, you know, beating them all, all four years. And uh, hopefully we continue, uh, you know, the dominance of them and, and win uh, on Saturday. All right. Well, before we get into a further breakdown, I wanted to ask our producer, Chris Cervello, what are you hearing of the latest line? I think I saw it opened at about six and a half. What do we got as a latest line on this, uh, Chris? So I just checked before we came on. Uh, today it's at five and a half. Well, that gives me an opportunity to talk about our presenting sponsor, uh, Bet Online. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated po- odds, props, and contests, including Online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest. Open now at Bet Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to, to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Take advantage of their opening day super promo and make a bet on the Thursday night, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL 100 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. So real quickly, guys, what do you think about Navy, a dog on its home field to a service Academy rival in games that are usually pretty tight? Um, I can tell you five and a half points is a pretty heavy uh, favorite for air force. That's surprising to you guys. You know, I think after last week, you kind of have to expect that, that that's the case because, uh, I mean, they were on their home. We were at home last week and we saw how that game went. So I think, you know, it's just the opening line. We'll see how how things develop as uh, the game goes on. Uh, you know, I think that uh, Navy's got a lot to prove. I don't I think they're they're in a good spot, though. You know, I think that Air Force maybe comes in a little little overconfident. You know, they had a good good home win, and Navy didn't look so hot first game. Maybe they think that they're going to roll over us. And this is just a really a really good spot. And we've always, you know, historically, in my opinion, been very pretty good when um, our backs are against the wall and nobody else believes in us. So I, I know that Coach Nehemiah is using that as fuel in, in his meetings and in, in his, his uh, correspondence with the team. So um, – I think we're in a good spot right now. Pretty dangerous, if you ask me. You agree, Eric? Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's also a different dynamic, right? You know, Air Force versus Navy is usually played. You know, first week in October. You know, it's it's a it's a game that you know everybody prepares for throughout the season. Um, you know, Air Force you know has prepared for a triple option you know the whole time. So with them at five and a half, it's always a close game. It's always uh you know it's always two and a half, three and a half points when. You know, I think I, I played her, you know, recently, but, you know, five and a half at a home field, you know, it is what it is. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, what Keenan said with Marshall put up so many points against us, you know, Vegas is, you know, looking that way. So, guys, I want to ask you something. We've heard for years, you know, Army, Navy is mutual respect. Um, not so much with Air Force. Uh, why is Air Force kind of the hated rivalry what is it about Air Force that rubs Navy players the wrong way? They rubs me the wrong way. You know, they just couldn't get in the Naval Academy. It's not their fault. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Seriously. I personally could care less for either Service Academy. Um, 
So, you know, I don't think that one was more than the other. I mean, listen, you know, you, as you network with these with these guys and, and gals after we graduate, obviously, it's one large family, great alumni network. Um, you can call on to pretty much anybody that graduated from an academy and they're going to pick your phone up and they're going to try to help you out. Um, and I've, I've experienced that firsthand. So I just want to put that out there. But on the field, I care less about either either academy. Um, I, I think that, you know, obviously we respect our opponents, um, but it was it was it was nasty in the trenches. You know what I'm saying? People don't really you don't hear what what's said, uh, you know, at the bottom of piles and when you're getting tackled. And, you know, I've had experiences in both games. So uh, I, I distinctly one, one story I have is pretty distinct about Air Force was I was on my visit when I was coming out of school. And the whole time I was on my visit, the guy, the the guys there were just talking trash about Navy, about you know how they felt about Navy, da 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 da. And then when I got to Navy, they didn't say a word. They didn't talk about Air Force or Army. They just talked about what Navy had to offer. So that kind of for me sums up uh, the the rivalry. Is the the other two you know little brothers always want to talk about us, but we're we're too busy getting stuff done to talk about them. Well, I seem to recall that they always said that Air Force talked more trash, but that might have been back when Air Force was beating Navy regularly. They weren't doing too much trash talking during a lot of the time that you guys were there. <laughs> I don't know. They, they, those guys always tend to, you know, have the quotes in the wall. I remember walking in the locker room, Coach Neiman and all the coaches have the quotes everywhere. You know, they're better than us, and, you know, we don't belong. We were, When I was playing, we were independent, so they always threw that in our face. You guys, you know, play, you know, cupcake squads and this, this, and this, so. I don't know. I always have a better respect for Army, but you know, I have a good story with, with Chad Hall. He's a you know one of the greatest of uh, in Air Force history. When I was actually living in Jacksonville, he got me a tryout with the Jaguars when he got released to the Jaguars and, and actually got me on the team. So I have all respect for you know the service academy guys helping each other out. Uh, you know after they graduate, Air Force. A big topic going into this game is uh, almost forty turnbacks. So basically, the Mountain West Conference announced. Prior to last season, they were going to play spring football. The, the, the conference season would be in the spring. So in reaction to that, Air Force sent almost 40 football players home so that they would preserve a year of eligibility. And it turned out that the Mountain West Conference did a reversal and did wind up playing its season during the fall. And Air Force kind of got caught short on players, although it did make a difference in the Navy game. But what do you guys think of turnbacks? A term that we uh, I have not used that too much in my Navy coverage. I have to say, in fact, I have never have used that term. It don't matter. They could they could bring back uh, Jefferson from <laughs> two thousand and whatever, and it still wouldn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like the way I look at it is, it's, it is what it is. At the end of the day, you still got to line up. You still got to buckle them chin straps, and you still got to play. So whether it's a bunch of freshmen or a bunch of six-year seniors, like at the end of the day, you're gonna have to show up on Saturday. So I don't I don't think that Navy's even thinking about it. I think it's more of a story in the media as something to talk about. I mean, okay, they're coming back. They they didn't play last year. So I mean you could look at it that way is they had a whole year off from football where they weren't playing. They couldn't be on campus. So it wasn't like they were practicing. They were right. at home. Yeah, so um that's a whole year of not playing football. And I'm telling you, if you're not in the trenches, if you're not playing, it's hard to get better. And you lose that lose that edge that you would get from playing year after year. So, you know, and and I think also this game being super early kind of limits the adjustment time. They've only played one game. We've only played one game. They don't have a bye. So, you know, I don't think it's as big of an advantage as someone like to make it out to be. 
Thoughts, Eric? I this game in, in, in the past years is all about execution. And it's about when we play, it was always, always about a couple big plays. If it was special teams making a play, if it was defense making a play or, or you know, a pick, quick pick six, that just changes the whole dynamic of this game. And, you know, it, I have a feeling it's going to come down to the kicking game. And it has before. Um, I have an interesting thought, and I just talked to Coach Nia Matololo about this, and he agreed. It seems to me that whichever team really gets the fullback going tends to win. And I think of some great Navy wins, and they had great fullback play, including the, the game that really broke through for Navy under Paul Johnson. Kyle Eckel was there and had a big game, and that was when Navy beat Air Force at FedEx Field and, and Landover, and that broke a long losing streak to Air Force. Um, but Coach Niamat agreed, and last year you saw two Air Force uh, fullbacks combined for about 220 yards. Um, why do you think that is, that in this game – uh, the team that establishes fullback tends to win. Uh, my thing is, it, it's a, it's a quick hitting thing, and these guys that uh, you know both sides of the ball know how to defend the cut blocks. They know how to run the alleys. They know how to, you know, move versus other teams that don't. Right? You know, when you're playing, you know, big schools that don't get cut all the time and don't see the triple option every day, you know, they they have the speed to, you know, like especially when you play the guys at Rutgers or you know the speed guys that the safety is going to run the alley and stop the a backs. To be back and get going, it helps out tremendously, especially these two teams and these athletes that we have. Just kind of going back to the basics of the triple option, um, getting the fullback going is the, is the catalyst for the entire offense. And in a game where things are very tight, um, you really have limited plays. Um, you need to be able to utilize all weapons at your disposal. And what I mean by that is if you become, you know, it's either quarterback or pitch, they're going to both teams are going to shut that down fast. If there's no threat of inside dive, if there's no movement on the nose, because both teams are odd fronts, there's no movement on the nose. It's going to be a long day because you can't you can't run your triple. So now what do you do? Now you have to get outside of your playbook and you have to run, you know, some more gimmicky esque plays where you're in the gun a little bit. That kind of that definitely give you a little bit more uh, options. But if it's not what you do, you're not going to be best at it. So the team that can do what they do that can run their base offense and execute it better than the other team. I mean, it just kind of permeates throughout the entire game because they're just executing it. Like we're just, we're running it right at you. There's no gimmicks. There's no mystery, no extra motion shifts. It's just fullback dive. We dare you to stop it. And you clearly can't. And we're just going to keep hitting you for four or five yards. And eventually you're going to get tired of getting hit in the mouth and we're going to break a long one. And that's what it goes to. And, you know, we hit, we hit you with the fake dive and go over the top for a touchdown. So, again, it, the theme is always the same. It's, I think that you get a little more leeway when you play against teams that don't understand the option and don't see the option. You, you can get away with more. You can do a little bit of different. You can, you can run all zone option because they don't see it often, so it's hard for them to stop that. But against the Air Force, they've seen it all. There's not much that you can do. So if you can't do your base stuff, it's going to be a long day offensively. So I have a question about Air Force schemes. I'll ask Eric to address a defensive element of Air Force that's kind of standard, and then I'll ask Keenan to talk a little bit about the offense. But, Eric, first and foremost, one thing that's unique about Air Force, and you, Keenan, just mentioned it, odd front. Almost always they oh, cover, the, <clears throat> cover the center. And I can remember Navy playing a bigger, heavier center who had not been the starter for most of the season because 
he was going to be covered up and they needed a big guy who could, you know, get some movement up there. Why does uh, Air Force, when it plays the option, like to cover up the center? What's what's kind of the point of that? What are they trying to get accomplished? Well, anytime you cover up the center, especially for the, you know, the main guys, the center, the quarterback, and the B-back, that is the, that's a pivot point. That's that's higher movement. So if the center's moving, let's say that it was spread 12, triple option right, the center he gains around, you know, fullback staying there. If he, if he does the opposite, we're going to come back. So if that center can control that nose guard all day, that helps out the fullback. The quarterback, especially for that read, gives him that time to, to ride it through, see what's in his face, move, and be able to pull it, take the ball himself, or pitch it. So with that center, when, you know, James Rossi, Antron Harper, um, you know, those guys are playing, they dominated that front. That, that helped me out so much. That helped my read of one, two, three. I'm either going to stay or I'm going to cut back and stay tight. So with that odd front, if you have a phenomenal nose guard that just blows up that center and then that guard has to help out all the time and then cap block or combo block, it, it's it, it's going to make that a long, long day. So that that's the way to stop it. Keenan, I'm going to ask you about the Air Force offense because the Air Force version of trip of option is not the exact same as the Navy version. And we're talking about, you know, the Paul Johnson double slot and what Paul Johnson, you know, the, what the base offense that he put in when he came to Navy. Air Force uses a tight end. Air Force does a lot of window dressing with men in motion, a lot of formations. Um, how is the Air Force version of the option different from Navy's or is it only window dressing and ultimately it's the exact same thing happening? Be a little bit of both, you know. I think they definitely have some elements uh, that are the exact same. But I think a good comparison for people that don't really watch triple option football um, would be kind of June Jones and How Mummy in the um, the air raid offense. Like they are the pioneers. They started the air raid, and so I would think of Navy and Paul Johnson as kind of you know the pioneers of the triple option, and then it kind of got to the other service academies via coaching trees and you know each person puts their own little spin on it, a little bit of you know seasoning on top of it and so i think we are the navy is like the blueprint of this is triple option basics one-on-one and then from there you kind of get branches off and you know um one thing about air force is they've rotated offense coordinators a lot more often than navy um over the last 15 years so you know, they're obviously going to have different variations, different looks, different things that they do because each guy comes in. He may have a different thing that he likes, a different tendency, whereas we've been running with the same uh, coaching staff for a long, long time, running the same offense. So, you know, I think that they do uh, they do have a little bit more spreadish package. And I think they recruit to be able to run that, whereas we are, you know, we're true to who we are. And then we might hit you with some gun stuff, depending on who we what our personnel looks like. So, I mean, I think at, the, at their core, the principles are the same. Uh, but at the end of the day, you got to prepare for the basics. Because if, if Air Force can line up and run 12 and 13, they're going to line up and run 12 and 13 all day long. What's the point of getting in a gun if you can't stop the triple? If you can't stop the midline, why would I get in a gun? There's no reason for me to do it. So you got to think that's that's what these offense coordinators are thinking about. We're going to run our, our bread and butter. And if you can't stop it, why would I change? But if you can, now I have to dig into the crates. I have to find ways to scheme you up to make to make plays, to get first downs, to get big gains. So uh, real quick updates. Um, we're still – Ty Lavatai is going to be questionable going into this game. Probably going to be a game-time decision if he's available. 
Uh, but my guess is you're going to see Xavier Arline. Um, we talked on the breakdown pod with Marshall about ties drops, and I did get the answer from Coach Jasper. Uh, game first game jitters. He was not taking the proper drop. He thought he was getting depth, but he wasn't getting depth, and he was right on top of the offensive line trying to throw. That's why he had some batted down passes. That's why he had to eat one. So we got the answer on that. It, it was not designed. He was not taking the proper drop. Um, here's a question I get from fans, especially after eight sacks. Why not more short passing game? Why not a slot back on a crossing route? Why not a slot back in the flat where the fullback screen that we have seen it has worked? Um, when you, you know, it's hard when a team like Marshall can pin their ears back, knowing you're in a throwing situation to protect and Navy's not built that way. Why do you think we don't see more of a short passing elements in this, in this offense? And I know you don't want to second guess coach Jasper or coach Nehemiah, but I'm just curious what your answer is. That's a, that's an interesting question. I think that, uh, you know, obviously people would love to see, you know, the quick hitches, the quick slants. Um, but I think from a, 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 a philosophy, a philosophy standpoint, they feel like, you know, if we can get six, we get six yards on a quick hitch, we could, we feel like we can get six yards on, on our triple. We feel like we can get six yards with the fullback. So why would we throw the ball and risk add it and, and add that risk of, you know, interception, a sack, a strip sack. I mean, there's a lot more that can go wrong in a passing game. Um, if you feel like you can equal um, that short passing game. Now, having said that, I do definitely think that they can implement some of those short passes earlier on. Um, to get the quarterback in a rhythm, because if you don't if you don't throw the ball, the thing that I found as a quarterback is if you don't throw it, and it's just triple, 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 and then all of a sudden we want you to throw the bomb for the touchdown, and you have no rhythm, that's a really tough thing to do. You, you're like that's the first pass you're throwing in the game is a is a is a deep shot. I mean that's tough. Um, I've always been the type of person that likes let me throw the quick hitch, let me throw the quick flat, let me throw the slants, let me get my feet under me like okay I'm playing football. Now we can take the shots. Um, you know, I definitely think that adding in some of the quick hitches will keep people off guard. Um, and then, as they, and then inevitably the corners are going to creep. They're going to try to sit on routes. And then that's when you can hit them with the pump and goes, the double moves, and things of that nature. But you I keep, wouldn't say keep modest. You know, if, if you keep, yeah. it, it, that's the thing is, if if they're not keep modest, they're going to pack the box. That fullbacks can get two yards, three yards, and it's not going to help out. So yeah, you get to pass the ball. Keep modest, that, especially with that. Like what Keenan was saying is that play action pass. I was a fullback. I love the play action pass. I'm like, I'm like, I've been banging this all day. I'm a fake, get my, get my depth. And then hopefully, you know, touchdown real quick, get out the field, get some water, relax for a bit. <laughs> Did they ever let you catch a fullback screen, Eric? I uh, never dropped a pass in Navy history. Cause you never got the wrong <laughs> one. <laughs> a ton, a ton, probably like one and a half. <laughs> Well, before we head out, I'm going to let Chris Cervello. You got any thoughts, Chris? Any questions you may want to ask the fellas? You guys have decades of uh, football experience between the three of you. In the fan circles, you, you hear a lot about must win, that this is a game that Navy has to win to right the ship early in the season. How much stock do you put in uh, this idea of, uh, of must win, and how much does that go into preparation, if at all? Well, I'll start off. I do think it's must win. Because coming up after this are what is believed to be the five best teams in the American Athletic Conference. They play a murderer's row schedule, and the teams picked one through five in the conference are are next. 
I think you need to beat your Surface Academy rival on your home field and get some confidence back, get some momentum going. I do feel must win. I hate to use that, and I know players don't like to hear that, nor do coaches. Uh, fellas, you you chime in then. Um, Go, Cam. Yeah, I, every service, service academy game is a must win. So the, the, it doesn't change the, the approach to preparation and, and mindset into this game to, to me. Nobody wants to lose Air Force. I lost to him once. It was the worst thing ever. I was sick, didn't play well. Um, and, that, and that makes it even worse when you don't play well and you still lose uh, and you lose. And, and so, you know, I think that all the people in that locker room, all the people, you know, in that co- on that coaching staff feel like, this is a must win because it's Air Force, not because we have the five best teams coming up. I agree. It's, it's a must win. It's the Commander Chief Trophy on the line. You know, winning that trophy, you know, kind of cures all, right? Winning always wins all. It's how it always is. But winning that trophy and, and you know, having that option to beat Army at the end of the season and going to the White House and, and doing what, you know, every player wants to do, you know, it is a must win. I'll say this much, and, and I don't think this is going to happen at all, but basically the, the mindset when it comes to Service Academy uh, games to, to all the fans is if we were to go 2-10 and 10 and the only wins we had was Air Force and Army, people are going to be like, okay, it wasn't a great season, but we still got the Commander-in-Chief's trophy, so we can we can live with – we can we can move on. You know what I'm saying? But if you go 10-2 and two and you lose the Army and Air Force, who cares if you won 10 games? You lost, you lost the two biggest games. Every year when we wrote our goals down, the number one goal was CIC. Wasn't conference championship, wasn't get ranked, wasn't New Year's Six bowl game, wasn't even bowl game. That wasn't even a number one goal. Number one goal was beat Army, beat Air Force. So, guys, before we take this out, I want to talk about some exciting news. Our pod is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. Here's how it works. Sign up for the contest. Believe, and that's B-L-E-A-V, Believe Football Pick'em at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest-profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of D.C. shoes. Again, go to PlayActionPools.com and sign up for the contest with B-L-E-A-V Football Pick'em. All right, fellas, well, let's bring it out. Um, it is a big game, Service Academy Showdown, earlier than ever. Um, 9-11 is being commemorated. That's why this game's a month earlier than it has ever been, because it's being played on the exact date of the anniversary. There'll be a lot of emotion. Players have talked about that. The fellow I interviewed today, uh, John Kelly, a outside linebacker, a Raider, his father was a firefighter from Staten Island who went down to the World Trade Center. And then I'm doing a story about the 2001 football team because those fellows played the last year of football in the wake of 9-11. And then guys like J.P. Blacksmith went and served and he lost his life, gave the ultimate honor. Uh, Any last thoughts as Air Force, Navy on 9-11? And, you know, I know you guys were probably youngins when 9-11 happened, but it had to have influenced your decision to go to the Naval Academy. Yeah, this is going to be a very – emotional game uh, i'm excited to be there be there in attendance and you know see my friends you know that we all served together with um i was in high school when you know 9 11 happened and it definitely did influence um you know myself my teammates and you know a lot of the stuff that um you know they did during deployments and 
hearing the stories of all my, you know, teammates doing some incredible things um, in combat is it's it's uh it's, it's, it's gonna be emotional. Keenan, I was I was a young cat. I was in first grade. Um, had no idea what was happening uh, when 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 I got the news of what was going on. And and, and as I've gotten older, I've definitely dive deeper into you know what happened you know the background behind it and obviously being a, a service member uh tremendous respect for those that signed up right after and went you know put themselves on the line ultimate sacrifice as you said bill so certainly uh, uh well aware of how important and how you know big this day is for our country 20 years can't believe it's been 20 years uh 9-11 has changed everything about the way we operate as a country I mean, industries to this day operate differently because of 9-11. Um, we'll forever just a, a, a pivotal point in our history. And uh, to have this game on this date, I think, is extremely special. Um, and it's just going to it's going to be a sight to see. I'm excited to be there as well. And it's going to be a huge game. I mean, we're we're on TV CBS 3:30 on a Saturday in September. That never happens. Um, I mean, so it's people re- recognize how big this is and big how much this means to the country. And uh, I'm just really, I'm happy for the guys that they get to participate. Um, a little jealous, actually, not really, because then I'd have to be back at the academy. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I know that they're excited, and it's it's going to be a great time. All right, fellas, another great pod. It's uh, really uh, you guys bring such great insight. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, thanks to our producer behind the glass, Chris Cervello, who does an awesome job. Eric Keenan, look forward to seeing you at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium on Saturday. 